situation, this is as real as it gets. This is Phoebe Christ, and you're listening to the UCW Radio Show. In your face. The number you have reached, 911, has been changed to a non-published number. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. Welcome to the UCW Radio Show. I'm your host, Lou Velasquez. And today we have a great guest uh, on the show. Uh, Some have called him the original bad boy stockbroker of Wall Street. For those moviegoers that have uh, heard or seen the new Michael Douglas movie, Money Never Sleeps, this guy, when the original movie was made, he was in the trenches moving and shaking and making magic on Wall Street. He's seen everything from the crash of 87 to the recent explosion in the global financial markets. But since the collapse of the financial markets, the Madoffs, the Alan Stanford, that type of thing, he's been dealing with his own horror. And that horror could land him in prison for the next 25 years. But as opposed to me telling that story, we're going to let him tell that story. And he's on hold right now. So without further ado, let's bring on the provocative and sometimes controversial Ross Mandel. All right, Ross, welcome to the UCW Radio Show. How are you? Good, Lou. How are you today? Pretty good, Ross. Thank you. Uh, and I also want to thank you uh, for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your very uh, hectic and busy schedule as of late. Thank you, Lou. I mean, it's just a privilege to be asked. Uh, you know, you're a terrific guy, and I'm just grateful to be here today. Who lied to you? <laughs> Somebody was lying to you. <laughs> you know, I got to, uh, I got to say nice things. You're my host today. Yeah, I know. Well, you don't have to be so nice, but, <laughs> but, but I am I, grateful. Though. Well, I appreciate it. But I want, uh, Russ, I want people to, um, to get a little more familiar with you before we go forward, because you have an interesting story. Your, your, your background, I find it intriguing, and for some, it's going to be inspirational. Uh, but I want to give some broad strokes on you. Uh, you look, you were a, a big mover and shake on Wall Street from the mid-80s till about, what, 2007, 2008? About then, right? That's correct. Yeah, and you've done everything from IPOs to raising capital, from guiding your clients into profitable situations to weathering the crash of 87 and the most recent uh, debacle that uh, uh, the global markets have seen. So, uh, look, you've, you've seen it all. You know what, Lou? I, I really have seen it all, and, and I'll, I'll say it like this. I was a, uh, a young stockbroker with E.F. Hutton in 1983, got licensed, uh, became a, a very successful broker, and uh, uh, made some, some moves in, into the business trying to always better myself, and uh, ultimately uh, uh, opened up my own brokerage firm in the mid-'90s, sold it, and uh, then I did it again in 2001, and took it took it public. I was the first American to take a regulated American business public on the London Stock Exchange. And that was Sky Capital, right? That's correct. And uh, we had quite a quite a run. We for about a year and a half were the number one performing financial stock uh, in Europe. But, and uh, so I, I built a name for myself that way. But you know, the, 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 what I find interesting, Ross, is that you've done all these great things, but when you kind of retired from the business. And uh, people from Wall Street, they call it the business, so people, so the listeners understand that. You know, you retired from the business, and, uh, you know, but you were hit with charges that, that could land you in jail for upwards of uh, 25 years. You know, that must you know that's true, Lou. And, and, and just, just to put some, some, some sort of color on that, uh, I was a very successful Wall Streeter for a long time. However, I was an alcoholic and an active addict. Uh, probably from the time I was uh, 15 years old. Oh, wow. And I ultimately got sober in 1990, which was my seventh year in the business. And uh, I had run-ins with customers and some, uh, some sort of hairy situations. Uh, you know, never too serious, but uh, certainly uh, the kind of trouble you like to avoid. And, uh, my, my, uh, I think my alcoholism made me more of an abrasive character than I, than I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> As a sober guy. Now, recently, it's 2010. In fact, uh, just three weeks ago, I celebrated 20 years of continuous sobriety. Oh, good for you. Congratulations. You. Now, as you know, in business and the media, 
the file always stays open. So the, the issues that I had when I was drinking and running around and, and, and stock brokering have followed me and plagued me uh, forever. You know, in the, in the program of recovery, they call that the wreckage of your past. Right. Yeah, you can clean it up, but, you know, the file is the file. And it always caused me a whole lot of uh, uh, trouble, even though the issues that occurred were in the 80s, even as recently as a couple of years ago, I'm still answering for them. I, I believe that. You know, that's the way it is. Now, what happened was, I, I, in spite of it all, I overcame a lot and overcame, you know, the file in a day at a time, built myself into a substantial uh, Wall Streeter. In fact, I'm going to be on national television tonight. You're going to be I'm on, going to be uh, on TV, Conspiracy right? Theory with Jesse Ventura on True TV at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And uh, Jesse uh, Ventura calls me the ultimate Wall Street insider because I've been there for 27 years and I've played at the highest levels uh, uh, with the biggest guys. And um, what happened was uh, I was the first American to take this regulated business public on the London Stock Exchange. I brought two companies public there. I created a footprint so that uh, because they said it was impossible, could never be done, had never been done, and I showed them how it could be done, that it was much, much less expensive than going public on NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange. You're a smart guy, and Russ. It, <laughs> and it was a much more reasonable regulatory system. And after I went public the second time, which was 2004, about 250 other companies went public in London, and then they started to trade throughout Europe. They went public in Germany, they went public in Amsterdam, and that sort of a thing. And I was the first, I was the American that paved that path. And a lot of people uh, resented me for it, especially uh, in America, in the industry, in New York, on NASDAQ and all that, because a lot of business went that way. They could have stayed, you know, on the NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange. And uh, I became almost like public enemy number one in the uh, in the regulatory sense because of that success I had. Well, I'm not uh, that I'm not shocked about either because you know, yeah, hey, look, you're you're a New Yorker, you know, uh, you you were born and raised in New York, right, Russ? Yes, I so, come from Long Island, the so, uh, the Five Towns area in the South Shore of Long Island. Okay, so you know how it is here. You know, they you, people they they'll they'll try to they'll cheer you when you're down, but when you go up, they're cheering you to fall down as well. So. You, know, you have that uh, that dilemma on your hands, so you've had it. You know, unfortunately, Lou, uh, it's like human nature. It's like when you see an old lady trip on the sidewalk in Manhattan, it's like a lot of people are laughing and smiling. A couple people are run over and help her, but a lot of people are snickering like that. You know, unfortunately, Americans love a train wreck. People love to see others fail. It's an unfortunate thing. A lot of people... Uh, um, like to see people that are doing worse than them. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's an unfortunate commentary. It is, it is. And it's sad. It's a sad state, you know, because you go other places, they're not like that. But, again, you know, uh, you, you've weathered everything. And this right here is not going to be anything different. That that I'm pretty sure of. <laughs> you know, But, you know, I, I find it funny, Ross, that, look, you, you got tagged in this multi-million dollar, and it's an alleged scheme that they uh, tagged on you, okay? And throughout, I'm, I'm going to say for the past 10, 15 years, you've had, or longer than that, past 20 years, you've had guys on Wall Street that have done horrible things. You know, talk about Bernie Madoff, Alan Stanford. You know, let's even go to the Schlock firms. And for those that don't know what that means, um, it's like the little uh, rinky-dink firms that uh, kind of spin people out and uh, do do uh, things like that. But you have like uh, like a Strand Oakmont from way back when. Yep. Uh, yep. No, there's there are organizations that, from the moment they're put together, um, the idea is just to uh, uh, to 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 earn off them, not to um, you know build a proper business. Right. Right. And then you were trying to build a proper business. Well, I, I, no, I actually did build a proper business. Now, I'll say this to you, Lou. It's uh, very interesting. Because of my past, because of that file we referred to earlier, I have been one of the most um, regulated guys in the history of Wall Street. And um, 
I went public in London, which means, and I was an American regulated business. I was regulated by every regulator in New York and Washington, and I was regulated by every regulator in the UK. And uh, we produced audited numbers, and uh, we were run by a proper board of directors. We had a United States senator, three-term senator on our board, uh, a former member of parliament, a parliamentary appointee. You know, it was it was a proper business, proper company, and uh, everything was done by the book. It was evidence of that. I can tell you, uh, we spent over $20 million in legal and accounting fees in a uh, five-year period to get it right. I mean, people that who intend to do things in a wrong way, they don't, they don't spend $20 million. They, oh. you know, they put it in their pockets. Of course. Uh, uh, on proper lawyering and proper accounting. That's, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a big business today and it's a highly regulated business. But let, let me, let me just, I'm going to talk through for a second. Or sure. I apologize, but I just want no, to. No, 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 let's keep that, it moving. Yeah, I want to expand on that thought. Now, you, you were, you were adhering to, uh, the rules and regulations on the London Stock Exchange. You were adhering to the rules and regulations here in the United States. Here's the funny thing. Every single transaction that was, that occurred and every single procedure, depending on where the activity occurred, we had to, we had to be completely familiar and, uh, took tremendous amounts of legal advice and, and also cultural advice on how to behave and how to conduct ourselves both in London, in Ireland, all over the UK, you know, all over Europe, and on parts of the Middle East as well, and in America. Right. And we had to sort of, we paved the way. It hadn't been done before. So we had the burden of trying to get it right. And uh, we went to great lengths to make that happen. Um, I mean, just to, to great lengths. The the bulk of the business, the sort of magic uh, uh, niche that we had, we were the largest um, uh, brokers selling American ideas uh, into uh, the UK at one point. But, but more importantly, uh, we were the first guys to go public on the stock exchange there. And um, I was um, indicted in July of '09 on two counts by the Southern District of New York. A conspiracy to commit securities fraud and the actual securities fraud. And the charges have everything to do with what that occurred on the London Stock Exchange, uh, in London, in, in, uh, in, in, in Ireland, in Scotland, uh, with, uh, residents of the UK and Europe and so forth. Can I ask you something, Russ? Surely. Now, your, your company, Sky Capital, they're registered in London, right? Well, we had a multiple companies in the Sky universe. Okay. Sky Capital Holdings was actually a Delaware holding company. Okay. And uh, it was registered in, in America, in Delaware, and it went public in London. Okay. But we did become a full-on member of the London Stock Exchange, and we acquired a very successful brokering firm in London. Okay. And so we, we created a, a, a London, you know, all in conjunction with attorneys, accountants, auditors, our nomads, our nominated brokers, these are all terms that you might not be familiar with if you're from America doing business in America. Right. The rules and regs over there have their own, you know, their own twist and their own spin and, 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 and their own language. Sure. And so we were, we were dealing with every proper authority in, in making this construct. And, uh, so we had a full on, a UK stock brokerage firm, which was not registered in America, but we owned it in this uh, American holding company, which was public in the UK. And we uh, we were full-on members of the London Stock Exchange and whatnot. Okay. All right. So, but, but based on that, you were doing most of your business overseas. That's correct. Okay. So, the, but they, they brought, they indicted you here uh, in the United States in the Southern District of New York. This is where they brought you in. Correct. And it, it, the interesting thing is that, you know, I, as you said earlier, I had retired, sold the business, with the knowledge and approval of the authorities in New York and London. And uh, retired down to Boca Raton, Florida, and about 16 months later, one week after Bernie Madoff was sentenced, and this whole Madoff thing occurred during the period of time that I had retired. That's right. And, and sold, sold the business properly. And um, a week after he was sentenced, I was notified that uh, I had to come surrender and be arrested in New York, which I did on July the 8th, 2009. And um, 
when I read the indictment, which uh, the FBI was kind enough to let me do in, uh, in headquarters there, I was stunned because... Aren't they, aren't they nice? You know, <laughs> you know what? They actually were quite, <laughs> they actually were quite nice uh, that day. Okay. And, uh, you know, they executed a search warrant in 2006, and they were actually quite nasty and out of line, and, and that's a fact. And, uh, you know, they perp-walked me. This is a very interesting story, um, but it's factual and true, and I'm happy to tell you, um, you know, when you get uh, arrested and you sur surrender at FBI headquarters, once you're processed and interviewed and all that stuff, you get to go to court. So they, they, they handcuff you, and uh, now you remember they've taken away your belt, they've taken away your tie, they've taken away your shoelaces, right. they've taken away your cufflinks, so you're a little bit, uh, you know, you're together. You're disheveled going to 600 right. Pearl. And then they spent about a half an hour organizing us. There were only six guys. Right. How they were going to transport us one block to the courthouse. And they want to organize you in an order of importance, which, you know, people didn't understand. I had been given a heads up that this was going to happen. And I've also been told that it's unconstitutional and violative, but they do it anyway. Right. Just so you know, and I'm happy this is being recorded. So uh, the agents line up on either side of you. And they are going to walk you to a car, which is going to drive you exactly a hundred yards to uh, to uh, uh, take you to the courthouse, so then you can be arraigned and 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 and, and so forth, go in front of the the judge and whatnot. Uh, and uh, when you walk out the doors, both FBI agents leaned down to me and said, "We're really sorry, uh, we didn't arrange this." Like, uh, and and this happened with all six defendants. We're told that by the FBI agents that accompanied us when we're handcuffed. And you walk outside, and it's like the Academy Awards, that red carpet thing, except you're wearing handcuffs. Yeah. And, you know, your pants are falling down because they took away your belt. And they're pulling you from each side of you while you're handcuffed, so your natural inclination is to lean forward. So it looks like you're hiding your face or bending down to avoid a camera, but the truth is they're pulling you. And it's, unless you're aware of that, you've got to pull back and try and walk with your head up, especially if you're not guilty and uh, you're not ashamed or embarrassed because you didn't do anything wrong. And uh, it was like a little tug of war there. But literally there was a hundred or hundreds of newsmen and, and cameras and every network you can imagine with trucks and lights and screaming and, and all that. And that's called the perp walk. And the first thing that came to my mind is, well, if you guys didn't call all the media, like it was so organized you wouldn't believe it. Uh, who did? And they said, oh, the other office did. The other office is the U.S. Attorney's Office, for whatever that's worth. Somebody out there should know and hear that. Yeah, no, without a doubt, because stuff like that, it's interesting, because a lot of people don't hear that stuff, and it's coming from the horse's mouth. You've been there, you've done that, you went down that road, and it's, uh, it's very interesting. Now, and then you know what they do, of course, it, by the time you get out of court, now you're arraigned, you're on bail, and you're reminded a hundred different ways that you are innocent until proven guilty. Right? Right. You're charged. That you're not guilty of anything. You know, they're charging you and you're entitled to your constitutional rights uh, uh, to, you know, to, to have your day in court and whatnot, to see evidence and all that kind of stuff. But by the time you get out of court, so you know, I was already on the news. This perp walk was already on the news. National news. I think 70 million Americans you saw it. But CNBC and every major network. And this, this was shortly after the Madoff uh, deal. One week after he was sentenced, correct. Right. Where, the, you know, of course, they didn't even investigate the guy, uh, even though they had warnings that he was, you know, running a multi-billion dollar Ponzi scheme for years from everywhere. Right. Uh, because he was the, he was the system. Madoff was the, the chairman of NASDAQ. Yeah. He was the system. How scary is the, that? <laughs> the criminality goes all the way to the top, and tonight on Conspiracy Theory, we're going to reveal that. It goes right up into the federal government. And, um, did you, you know, remember, it's just, it's you, outrageous. You've been on Wall Street for a while. Do you remember way, way back when uh, they, when you had, uh, was it uh, Dan Dorfman on CNN? Sure. And that was a scandal within itself. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Michael Milken. Michael Milken. Ivan Bosky. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in our time. But you, but you know, you know what they say: absolute power corrupts absolutely. And you do have people that intentionally do bad things, 
know, Bernie Madoff, that's a prime example. You, not so much, you know, so, and that's my opinion. That's my opinion on it, because I've been, I've done my research, and uh, I, you know, I understand Wall Street quite well, so uh, it's just very interesting how you just happen to be the, uh, the catch of the day. You know what, they need to make headlines, that's what the government's doing. Frankly, the regulators, nobody knows what the hell they were doing, or not doing, besides looking at me. Because the entire system failed. Every single bank needed to be bailed out. AIG, the largest, most regulated insurance company in the world, on the New York Stock Exchange, audited like crazy, reporting figures. Uh, all of a sudden, was a hundred thirty billion dollars short. And, and, and Can you imagine? Yeah, but you remember that AIG. And, and how about nobody got perp walked? Nobody got charged in any of these firms in these banks. And they're coming after me. Sky Capital survived the FBI raid, survived me, and, you know, was in business. Didn't need tarp money, billions of dollars to get bailed out. I mean, it's just an outrage. Is what the hell was the government doing? What the hell were the regulators doing? How did they miss the entire collapse of the entire financial system? These are the people regulating everything. The gatekeepers. I don't think, the, yeah, the gatekeepers, exactly. I don't think they missed it. I think... You had more people that knew than not, but when you have something, you know, blowing up and you have that, that balloon, that bubble getting bigger and bigger, it's a little hard to put the brakes on and it's a little hard to get a little bit pregnant. You know, you, when you're pregnant, you're going to give birth. One way or the other, that, that's going to come out, you know, right. and that's what happened. Well, you know what it was? It was institutional corruption. If they had been doing their jobs, this never could have happened. If they were regulating these banks and these brokers properly, they would never have needed $650 billion to get bailed out. If they were being regulated properly and governed properly, they never would have had 35 to 1 leverage. They never would have been selling CDOs and all this nonsense that was unregulated. These were like the penny stocks of the 80s. There was no real market for any of them. They just put up numbers, marked things to market at their convenience, made the prices themselves. The regulators were all in on it. Congress was all in on it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a frightening uh, a testament. And tonight we're going to prove it on conspiracy theory. I mean, literally, we're going to prove it. Well, I believe, and we're going to take a break for a second, Ross, and I, I want to sure. continue on this topic. So uh, just uh, hang on. We're going to be right back. The odds of becoming a signed artist and having three number one albums... One in 100 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. And the odds of this performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 150. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
seen the lies. I get the Coast Guard watching our every move. The secrets. They probably are listening to our conversation. And the cover-ups. They want you dead, Governor. On October 15th, Jesse Ventura exposes them all. You have no idea what people are doing right under your nose. What in the hell is that? This is the show they don't want you to see. Conspiracy theory. You won't believe what you don't know. The all-new season begins October 15th at 10 on True TV. Hey guys, this is Tina Sugun. You're listening to the UCW radio show with Lou in your face. All right, Russ, we're, we're back, and I want to touch on what you left off on with the conspiracy theory and everything. Um, yeah, I, I my, my view on it is that, you know, you had politicians, you had uh, people that knew what was going on, but there was too much profit to be made. You know, you always follow the money. Yeah. And uh, these guys lined their pockets. You look at members of Congress that were getting these sweetheart mortgage deals from places like Countrywide. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're talking about the congressmen that were regulating the mortgage companies. We're getting like these zero interest mortgages. <laughs> I mean, you know, crazy. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely out of control. Out of control. Well, look, and, and if you uh, had bad just, credit, they push you in. They push you through. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, nobody got nobody got perp walked there. Nobody got arrested. You know, they came after guys like me. Uh, and, 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 you know, round up the usual suspects. Let's make some headlines. Let's give some comfort to the Americans that uh, the American people were really on it. Now we might have missed it. We might have missed the entire collapse of the United States economy. But you know, we're on it now, and we're going to get Ross Mandel and a couple of guys like him. I mean, it's pathetic. It's it, frightening. It, it, it's, it's sad because, look, the Bernie Madoff thing, for sure, the guy, you know, was, in my opinion, guilty across the board. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, and I'm going back to, to the penny stock days, the guys that's trying to open, yeah, bad, bad stuff. You know, but you look at a guy like Alan Stanford, you know, right. was, it, was it really that bad, as they say? You know what? I don't know enough about it, yeah. but I'll say it like this. If you listen to the newspapers and you listen to the, uh, you know, the, the, the prosecutors, you know, you really start to believe what they say. Yeah. And then when you're in my shoes, you realize they're just making this shit up. I don't believe a word anymore. That's how terrible it has become. Yeah. Because I cannot believe a word that comes out of their mouths. Because it, it's just, it's just incredible. And, and unless you were in my shoes, you can't humanly believe it. That, that's why it's, it's better to do your own research and to the listeners that are listening to, to this uh, show right now, yeah, you have to do your own homework. You have to do your own legwork. You gotta get information for yourself. Cause you know, you have the media. They will let, they'll tell you what they want you to hear. Not what you should hear, but what they want you to hear. That's for sure. You know, and that, that causes damage. And talking about the media, and, and your, in your case, you know, recently the Huffington Post wrote something uh, interesting. Uh, Robert Rosenthal wrote something interesting about you. Uh, do you want to touch on that? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, a couple of things have happened recently. Uh, Rob Rosenthal's a guy that uh, came across me on Facebook. He's a, a writer and editor for the Huffington Post. I had decided that uh, I wasn't going to take this lying down, uh, being wrongfully charged, um, and, and, and have my reputation and my life ruined. And I realized that unless people really got to see me and know me, they're just going to believe what the newspapers are saying, what the government's saying, and all this nonsense. And so, so what I did was I, I agreed to go on a reality show. At first, they, I was really pushed to do it. I didn't want to do it. But um, ultimately, I started to see the logic in it. I really have nothing to hide. You know, I have no secrets, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm living a very public life, and uh, but the truth is, people are getting to know me, the real me, and and it doesn't jive with what people have said about me in the past and what's been written and all this kind of stuff. And we all know hatchet jobs go on, and innocent people get charged every day. And you know how many innocent people have gone to jail for how many years? I can't even. It's it's disgusting and it's disgraceful in a democracy, because that's the the, the worst thing that can happen in a democracy is that uh, an innocent person. Uh, uh, loses his liberty, and uh, the, our entire judicial system is based on the on the premise that rather 100 guilty people go free. 
then one innocent person uh, loses liberty. That's the basis of the judicial system of this country and of every democracy. And that's what that that's the difference. That's what makes a democracy great. So so you know, in my particular case, I agreed to do a reality show. We created a trailer. I created a website. I decided to. Uh, uh, put up factual information about me, my life, my family, my situation, you know, on the web for everyone to see. I joined Facebook and I put it out there and, and, and thousands of people came flocking to me. Uh, other people, other producers and production companies and networks started to find my story interesting and I started to get a tremendous amount of interest in what I'm doing and all kinds of approaches and whatnot. And I've done a lot of shows and, and a lot of stuff and you know, this thing you're going to see tonight, a conspiracy theory, was actually, you know, uh, it was actually filmed a couple of months ago. And uh, I've, I've, I've done a load of things since, and I'm going to continue to go forward. Now, to make a long story short, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the reveal, you know, on the website and the show attracted a lot of different guys that wanted to interview me. And at first I was reluctant. Uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, a story about my situation was released on the front page of the Los Angeles Times, written by a Scott Collins. Uh, front page of the Los Angeles Times in the calendar section. Uh, a few months later, Robert Rosenthal from the Huffington Post wrote a huge story on me. I thought it was very fair and balanced. This past summer, the United States Supreme Court ruled on the statute I was charged under. I was charged on two counts. And I was charged under one statute, a federal statute called 10b-5, that's been around since uh, 1934. And the United States Supreme Court, which, by the way, is a very divided court, uh, voted unanimously for the first time, I think, on anything, 9 to 0. So there's no wiggle room, there's no dissenting opinion. 9 to 0 that the statute 10b-5 that I was charged under does not apply extraterritorially, mean meaning that when it was designed in 1934 by Congress, the intention was never to regulate activity that occurred on a foreign stock exchange with foreign residents. Even if the activity occurred here if it, from America, even bad activity, if you're dealing with uh, securities that are not listed on an American stock exchange and the ultimate buyers are residents of a foreign country, it's... It, the, the law does not apply. It is unconstitutional to apply that law. Now, when Rosenthal saw that, he got all crazy and, and uh, you know, uh, spoke to me about it and learned about the Jesse show. And, and I, I had been on Fox TV seven times uh, uh, since my interview with him, my last interview with him, my first interview, and uh, several other things have gone on. And he wrote a very fair and balanced story about it. And he found it to be almost like a miracle from God that in the middle of this case, uh, a law, a statute that's been on the books for 75 years is ruled unconstitutional in a, in a unanimous decision by a, a court that's very divided, uh, you know, in their opinions generally. Um, and that we are filing a motion uh, in January to dismiss the case and so forth. And we think that we have a very, very good chance of that happening. I hope that does happen to you and for you. I, I think that uh, any law that was set, you know, back in uh, 1934, and I think at that time you had other exchanges and uh, other parts of the world that weren't even, they didn't even exist. Correct. Okay, so it's hard to uh, to definitely uh, to force a law that, is um, dated, so to speak. You know, I tell you something, Lou. When I first read the indictment up at FBI headquarters, I, I, I didn't finish that thought before. I was reading. I said, "Why are these people charging me about activity that occurred on the London Stock Exchange? They don't even know the rules and regulations on the London Stock Exchange. I do. We owned a firm in London. We had a proper regulated firm with." Uh, 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 traders and brokers and bankers that were all registered, had their own licenses, and were at risk in the UK. And I didn't understand how they could possibly charge me. You're talking about people that lived in Manchester, England, or London, England, that bought stocks that traded on the London stock, and they're saying that we somehow uh, 
we're guilty of something in America. I, I just ne could never understand it. And my, my lawyers also agreed, and we're planning to attack that, period. And then, of course, the Supreme Court decision came down, which was just shocking. Because, you know, when you really read the law, it's just crazy. It doesn't work. Can I ask you something? You were charged sure. here in the States. You were not charged by the London Stock Exchange. I was charged by the Southern District of New York, criminally, uh, those two counts under this statute, and I was also charged at the same time by the SEC, but not, civilly. But not in the U.K.? No, 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 I was not charged in the U.K. But you were charged here for stuff that happened over there, allegedly, right. but, right. you see, that, that, that's makes no sense. <laughs> they claim that we manipulated the London Stock Exchange. I mean, it's just the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever heard, to be honest with you. Did you manipulate the, the New York Stock Exchange? Things I've ever heard. The New York Stock Exchange, you and the NASDAQ, the American Stock Exchange. What else? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, all right, I killed Kennedy, I'll admit it. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was only three, but, you know, I was very mature three. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, this is, this is the, the stuff that, you know, people need to hear. Because I think it's a shame because what happened to you, you know, even though you sold your business and everything, it actually put a company out of business. You know, I had, I had built a company. We, we had employed over a thousand people. You want to know why 20 million Americans are out of work? Because the government is failing. The regulators are failing. I mean, we were literally put out of business. And, um. I'll give you two, two names. Lehman and Bear Stearns. I mean, could you imagine? <laughs> Still to this day, it's too big to fail, but they, they didn't fit in. Yeah. Let's, let's give it all to Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, you know? I mean, it's, you want to talk about criminal. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is what, these are the people that should be charged. And these are the people that, uh, you know, should have these issues. You know, it shouldn't be me, I'll tell you that much. It's a government orchestrated, uh, reverse merger of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. And tonight we demonstrate that on the show, literally. I mean, I give the producers of this, uh, show and the network a great deal of credit. They did a tremendous amount of investigative work. They're gonna show diagrams, photographs. I mean, it's, people are gonna be shocked. They really prove what's going on and I think it's going to be a shocking eye-opening uh, uh, you know reveal all and the American people you know I think the American people are going to get it because we we break it down in such a simple way and you know people just understand when they're hearing the truth you know, there's something about the human brain that just understands when it hears the truth you know well, if you and, look, uh, do you listen to Tony Robbins at all? Oh, yes. Okay. Huge, huge fan. Did this something, I mean, he's, he's great, he's a great speaker. There's something that he said, and I saw something, and it was interesting. And he was in a room, okay, and he said, all right, I want you to, uh, I want everyone to pick out the color red, and then the color brown. And then he kind of elaborated on that and said, when I'm telling you what to look for, your mind is forcing you to look for that thing and nothing else. But if you don't know to look for that thing, you're not going to find it. I like that. You know, so in your case, you know, uh, tonight on True TV, 10 o'clock Eastern Time, at, on Jesse Venturi's Conspiracy Theory, you guys are going to unveil this so people can see. Because once they see, then they can follow. And they can, they can, it can enlighten them to uh, some extent. Yep. And, they're gonna, and let me I tell like you, that. people are going to understand the truth. And I don't even think, you know, the the people we're charging with this would even dare to comment back on one way or another because it's undefensible. It's there is no defense to what uh, what we're going to show tonight. It's red-handed. It's like Bernie Madoff. You know, Bernie Madoff. They didn't catch him. They didn't prosecute him. He called up the FBI one day and said. I think you guys should come arrest me. They said, what do you mean? I said, uh, my name's Bernard Madoff. I've owned an investment firm for the last 25 years, and I, I stole $60 billion. Do you know that? Well, that I didn't know. Yes, nobody really gets that part. Nobody talks about that because it's an embarrassment to the FBI, to the Southern District, to the SEC, to the United States government. And they said, do you understand what you're saying, sir? To 
Yes, I do. He goes, I've stolen $60 billion, and I think you guys should come arrest me. Here's my address. And the FBI didn't even know what to do. And finally, two agents went in, and he invited them in. They said, sir, are we here because you've called and you made a report? And he said, yes, I, I, uh, I had an investment firm for 25 years, and I, I, I stole $60 billion. And the FBI says, you know what you're saying, sir? And then he read him his rights, and they took him out. And that's the Bernie Madoff investigation. People have been handing the SEC and other parts of government in, in this industry proof for years. But he was one of them. And that, he they, was they, one of them. They weren't going to go and nail him to the wall because he was doing it for, what, 15, 20 years? As long as he, yeah. it went from the time he left the, the, the NASDAQ, that's what he was doing. The NASD, that's what he was doing. Okay, right. He, this is what he had his firm and he was... No, no, even when he was the chairman of NASDAQ, he was stealing. He hadn't executed his stock trade. People were sending him money, and he was just using it. Wow. And now where was the the, 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 the NASD? The NASD, which is now FINRA. The NASD, where they were charged with all this, you know, investigating. FINRA is the, the new thing. FINRA is the new thing, you know. They, what happened was, to, to cover up the mistakes of the past, the sins of the past, they took the NASD and they combined it with the New York Stock Exchange and made one regulator. Yep. So instead of having like two regulators that do nothing, now we have one giant one that does nothing. Except the bidding of various congressmen and the bidding of various people in the regulatory system, you know, that work with the big nine that are too big to fail. That continuously fail. Yep. They're too big to jail is the word. You know, How could they be too big to fail? They all failed. You know? And then they're, right now you have, you know, some of the banks that obviously they're doing better now, but it's amazing to me that, you know, the, uh, we'll just touch on this real quick, you know, because I'm sure Jesse Ventura talks about this stuff on his show, but you have the Fed. People think that the Fed is the U.S. government. The Fed is not. The Fed is not, it's, it's, it's the U.S., it's the United States, gov the United States of, State of America's bank, which the is. The Federal Reserve <laughs> right now is conducting the biggest Ponzi scheme in the history of the planet Earth. So you know. Now those are not my words. I'm quoting Bill Gross, who is the head of PIMCO, the largest bond portfolio manager, really ever, but certainly in the last 30 years with the best record or return. And, and I know Bill Gross, I know that he came publicly and he offered the U.S. government, he said, I will manage Correct, what you're did. doing. I will yep. manage the bonds charge you nothing let yep. me just help to get this country in order and they said no of course they said no because they're <laughs> robbing they're robbing and stealing and lining their pockets why would they want a proper person to come in and run it properly but bill gross has just said ben bernanke and the fed in conjunction with the white house the powers that be are running the biggest ponzi scheme in the history of the planet earth and i'm going to tell you i'll explain it to you just in one second Everybody is watching the stock market go up. It's gone up 600 points recently in the face of terrible news, terrible earnings, uh, the greatest unemployment in history, the greatest level of insider selling in history. Gold is at an all-time high. It was at $40 the other day. It's trading at another all-time high today. Silver is at an all-time high. Copper is at an all-time high. Wheat's at an all-time high. Sugar is at an all-time high. Yep. Cotton is at an all-time high. Yep. Everything is at an all-time high. And everything just keeps moving higher and higher. Ben Bernanke, like a drunken sailor, said to the market, I'm coming in with $600 billion. We're buying. Now, you tell me what happens when you go into any market with 600 You say you're loaded with money and you're going to spend it right now on what they're selling. You think you're going to get a reasonable price? No, 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 no. And all of a sudden, the prices are just going to be driven up. Yep. Why? Because this false buying. Sure. When, when you and what happens when the false buying dries up? Uh, You're going to have a fall. devastating <laughs> crash in price of everything. Yep. They're leading America to slaughter right now, and they think it's a good thing. It, it, I think it's despicable. I, my, that's my opinion on it because there, there was a commercial that would that they showed on CNBC recently, and you can I forget the name of the organization, but they showed a commercial with a Chinese professor speaking about history about the Roman Empire everything else how they all fell and how the United States once a great power fell and this was dated in the, the year 2030 and they said that they 
thought that they can continue to buy themselves out of debt and keep issuing more debt to buy themselves out of debt, which may still makes no sense to me on why that's happening. But at the end of the commercial, they said, yeah, and they, the guy chuckled. He said, yeah, the United States is working for us now. You know, so we're going down a, or going up a slippery slope, no doubt about it. Let me just say to you, what happens when he stops buying $600 billion worth of stock and bonds? These things are going to go to their true value and worse. Anybody buying now is going to get stuck with an overpriced nightmare. And what the hell does the government think they're doing? Well, they think. I mean, this is the biggest case of market manipulation ever. Well, they think they, they think they think that they're saving us from dealing or from the collapse. Let it collapse. We will Correct. rise. We will come back. We we've done we it. We need before. a capitula. We need a capitulation. Yeah, and when I we get need that. all of these clowns and crooks and politicians to get out of the way and let real entrepreneurs build a better system, not a retarded bank that can't earn money and can't survive and is too big, you know, to succeed. Rush, you just and that's hit, what's happened. You hit the nail on the head, my friend. You said entrepreneurs. That's what this country is built on. It was built on, it, it but was now built on. it's 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 being guarded. And it's being robbed by the powers that be. And, and that's the scary thing, because they control the government, yeah. which controls the military, and they're, they're printing money like like drunken sailors. Well, and that's why you see a big shift in, uh, in the government now, with the Republicans taking control of the House. And then on top of that, you, know, you have the Tea Party, which is really taking everybody, everyone by storm, because they're speaking the truth. I happen to be a big fan of the Tea Party and the whole idea because the two-party system doesn't work. It yeah. just doesn't work. You have corruption on both sides of the fence. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think the idea of a, a, a new group that has, you know, different values and is very strong-willed and strong-minded is going to be a very, very positive thing for the country. Yeah, I think so. And I think that there's, there has to be a shift. There has to be a change. And all the political agendas, all that nonsense has to stop. We've got to get rid of career politicians. There's yeah. got to be term limits. We've got to take things away from the federal government, put things into, into private hands, and into state hands. I mean, it's got to be reduced. The size of government is just disgusting. You know, you don't need more regulation. You need regulation that works. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. You've got the most it's just terrible. It's like going to the airport and we'll get it to TSA. You got you got a hundred guys standing around doing nothing, and three guys working, and uh, you have lines of 150 people. Yeah, but you have a hundred hundred guys standing around. Uh, but that's the way it is. I mean, if, you, if you're in New York, you, when you were living in New York, you would go on the highway, the LIE, BQE, whatever it may be. There was always construction. <laughs> always construction. Forever construction. People were employed. They were working. The highways never done. Right. 10, 20 years later, same stuff. But that's the same process that's happening on Capitol Hill. Yeah, the Van Wick Expressway. I moved it to uh, Long Island when I, in like 1964, was under right. construction. I moved out of New York in 2000. And, I, I, I made my final move out of New York in 2007. And... Um, and uh, it was still under construction. Yeah. And then it, it still is, actually. Believe of it course it is. <laughs> and I, I, don't well, think I don't want to go there because those guys are really serious guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just stay on this topic. The boys that have those contracts, you know, I have nothing but good things to say. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, good, good things to say about those guys. Uh, but, yeah, you know, what's happening on Capitol Hill, you know, it, it just amazes me. And I think... Shocking. Know, yeah, there's a time for change and, and with... The internet and everyone with the social networking, everything else, people have a voice. You know what it is? That's the brilliant thing, and I shared about it one of my podcasts. You know, America's voice was heard, and I was proud to be an American last Tuesday. I really was, because um, you know people can't be bullshitted the way they have been, yeah. and the game's changing. And you know, the last people that want to change a game are the fat cats in Washington that have just been sitting stealing for years. You know what I'm saying? They're not interested in change because they they like it. You got guys that have been sitting in the Senate for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you think they have any idea what's going on in their state? No. No, they don't care. And the thing is, they're talking about balancing the budget, all this stuff. It's funny that state by state, individually, you have to have a balanced budget. Right. So why can't you balance the country? 
with $20 trillion in debt, my friend. And going deeper, and China has most of that, most of that debt. And, and the funny thing is, and, I, and I'm going to say this on this show because we're talking about it, and I, I, I hate to take away this time from you, Ross, but I, I travel all over the world, and China is interesting because they, they've uh, lent the U.S. a lot of money. But they are expanding, and people don't know this, that they have a, uh, a blueprint of how they're going into Africa and how they're selling all their products they can't sell here. They're selling it over there. Yep. You know, I have no uh, You know, listen. You know, and, they, and they're buying the stuff, too. They're buying the raw material and selling the end product back to Africa because that's what they do over there, which is retarded within itself, but that's the, that, that's the way it is. You know, the scary thing is that people uh, live under a, a full sense of security. Mm-hmm. Just You brought up Rome before. I bring it up tonight on the show. You know, Rome was great, and then Rome disappeared. The Greeks were great, and Greek disappeared. You had, you had, you had the British rule the world for 900 years. Now they're a small island. Yeah. Um, things change in the world order. America is not even ranked in the top ten in education and health care. Uh, our economy is now almost finished because of the debt and the, the mismanagement by the government and their regulators and so forth. So I, I really feel as if America is in, a, is in the final leg of a decline. And it makes me feel sad and disgusted because I love this country. And I love what this country stands for, but it's it's being raped and dismembered. Even right now, as we're talking, there's been virtually no change, no change. In fact, the guys that committed the atrocities on Wall Street that led to the, you know, the failures and the bailouts and all that are even more firmly in power now. Like you said, they got rid of Lehman Brothers, they got rid of Bear Stearns. You've got nine institutions that are running everything now, yeah. with the backing of the government but under a private guise, a private banner. And they're just free to do whatever they want to do. And uh, they've already destroyed the system once. And uh, it's it's a nightmare. And, and, you know, I find myself fighting like crazy for my life, for my family. And what's going on in my little case is, like, symptomatic of what's going on wrong with the whole system. Yeah. Like, your case is, is a small version of the big picture. This is how I feel, and, and this is why I've been compelled to speak out, go public, get involved, make people aware. I'm just not going to sit down. I'm not going to take it quietly. I'm a fighter. And, uh, you know, frankly, if they never came after me, I would have been enjoying my, my life and my family and, and uh, you know, just been another guy. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to become an agent of change now uh, because of what's been done to me. It's really it's, it's shaken me to my core and woken me up. I think that in life, things happen for a reason, and you have to go through your trials and tribulations, but I think that based on what I know about your situation, you as a person, I think you're a great guy, Ross, I think that your situation, that you know, God willing, you know, kind of dissipates and, and, and kind of goes away, but I think that it opened your eyes, and you, you, you could be that, that voice, that, that, um, I guess that driving force that'll open people's eyes to what's going on. Thank you, Lou. And, 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 you know, uh, maybe it's God's calling, who knows what. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's at this point in time now where I'm willing to accept that mantle and I'm, I'm willing to, uh, to go down that road. And I really wasn't that sort of a guy. I was a very, uh, sort of, I had an idea that I was going to sit in Florida and raise my children and, 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 you know, just do some things and, and uh, I've been sort of thrust into this uh, position. You know, what is that famous saying? I will not go quietly into that good night. Yeah. Don't, don't go quietly. Make a lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs> make a lot of noise. Carry the big stick and make noise with that, too. <laughs> I'm telling you, right? You know, but, it, it, you know, we, we need uh, change, uh, definitely, in this country. They've been speaking about it, you know, for the past, what, in depth. They've been speaking about it for the past four or five years. I've seen uh, a progression of of uh, debt, you know, upon debt, upon debt. Uh, companies, they bounced back. Some companies had to go out of business. People got wiped out. You know, but then that's okay. You peep, you have changed. You 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 were rich once. You you know, people go through this uh, this change as as the economy kind of you know slipped out of bed. But don't continue like the government. Don't continue to bail out. There's nothing to bail out. Let things fall. 
Correct. We, we know that from being old school market guys. Yeah, you let it fall. You know, when, when you, way back when, I was talking about the early 90s, even the late, the late 80s, you had a stock, you had market makers in it, the stock went down, you supported it so much, but then after a while, you have to move out of the way. You know what, you can't support something that's false. Over time, everything seeks a true value. Yeah. So the faster you let it get to its true value, um, you know, the faster you can restore order. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, but greed always prevails. <laughs> well, fear and ignorance is part of it. Fear and ignorance, you know. You fear and you feel like maybe you're doing the right thing. But you just, you know, you're just living in the moment. Well, I hope that with this change in uh, government officials uh, and Congress and the Senate, that that will start opening people's eyes. Because I think these people that uh, were supported by the Tea Party going into office now, I think that they're going to shake that cage a lot. I agree with you. We have a guy here called Marco Rubio, young uh, senator. Republican. Cuban, <laughs> Cuban descent. He's a Tea Party guy. And um, he's got five kids, four under the age of ten. And i got to tell you, there's something about this guy that's very special. He was a true underdog. And uh, was 40 points, uh, uh, you know, under uh, the, the sitting governor, you know, uh, Chris, who's very popular here. He's a good guy. But this guy, Rubio, really has a a, a uh, sort of a light that comes out of him. It's almost like when you first heard Obama speak. Right. You know, back in the uh, the convention in 06. Um, yeah, not now. Knew that, <laughs> well, you know, he still speaks great, but he's got nothing to say. That's the problem. Yeah. He's been, you know, his slick way has been exposed now. I think he came in at the wrong time, but that's my uh, I think he made some bad decisions, i got to tell you. He was enamored getting, you know, he was so busy getting a job, he forgot to do his job. Yeah, that, that happens sometimes. Well, of course it does. He right. still could be a great leader, but he's got to do something. Yeah, but Rubio is that type of leader. Rubio could stand on a platform with a guy like Obama and outshine him. And that's, that's the key, because this Obama, he knows how to run for office like nobody. But there's just something special about this particular guy that caught my eye. Right. And I'm at a point where I'm so jaded and, you know, you know, indifferent to this kind of stuff. But uh, something very, very special about this man. And uh, he gives off some sort of a light, an energy. You know, he's got some sort of a, a magic about him that, you know, just might become very, very meaningful, you know, in, in, in 12. I think that, you know, with a guy like that, especially now with Florida and the condition that it is, he turns that around. Yeah, he has a good shot of uh, doing other great things during his uh, political career. Yeah, you know, my experience in life has been that it doesn't really matter what your situation is. Um, it matters which direction you're headed. Yeah. And uh, if you have great leaders or a great leader or someone that's inspirational, you know, people don't mind going through pain and suffering, you know. You know, following a great general into a battle. You know, it's when you start to lose confidence and faith in the people that are leading you. Yeah. That's when you feel all the pain. And that's when, that's something you can't do in, in your family or especially in a, in a, in for, the, for the country. You can't lose, you know, the people can't lose faith in you because once that happens, it's hard to do your job. Yep. And so what I'm, what I'm hopeful is that, you know, we're going to have some leaders step up and evolve that, um, can bring America through, you know, what we're going to first go through. Well, I think we're going to go through a lot of stuff, uh, and I think that your your show tonight, uh, the conspiracy theory uh, with Jesse Ventura on True TV, I think it's going to reveal a lot of things that we talked about today, and I think it's going to reveal a lot about who you are, because I, I think people, when they hear your story, they're going to be like, okay, yeah, I know the hype, but let me know the man. And they're going to learn more about you uh, from this show, from Jesse Ventura's show, and as as the weeks and months go by, that people are you're going to be exposed a lot more, and people are going to learn more and more and more about you. And I think that's a positive thing. Yeah, it's very hopeful. And, and you know, tonight, uh, today, Lou, you got the first and only uh, commentary on the show tonight. I like it. I like that stuff, and I right, appreciate baby. that, Russ. I appreciate it. Now, Russ, before we let you go, because I know you have a million and one things to do today, um, 
you want to give your website information, how can people keep tabs? Love to. And all that other stuff. I have a website. It's rossmandel.com. That's uh, double S and double L. R-O-S-S-M-A-N-D-E-L-L. -L. It's rossmandel.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, Ross Mandel. Same spelling. Love, uh, love it if you guys would uh, friend me. I have a personal and a fan page, both. And um, my personal email is ross at rossmandel.com. And what I do is I personally respond to every single email. And it's getting a little hairy. I'll tell you the truth. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I'm spending three, four hours a day at this point, and uh, after tonight, I don't know what's going to happen. But um, it's cool uh, getting a PR I'm doing person. my best. I'm also on Twitter, Ross H Mandel. I'm on YouTube, which is uh, Ross H Mandel. You know, at YouTube.com. But you can access that uh, through my website, and I do a daily webcast, which is really uh, just uh, uh, me and a camera and a TV studio talking for 10, 15 minutes about my day, what's on my mind, current events, and so forth. And you'll find, again, access on my site and on YouTube. Okay. And, uh, I, Lou, I thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, no, thank, thank you, Ross. And I want to leave you, well, actually, I want to ask you one last question before sure. I do let you go. What can we expect from Ross Mandel in the future? Yeah, well, you're going to expect a few things. Firstly, you know, I'll be on television tonight with Jesse Ventura. You're going to be seeing me uh, in quite a few other TV shows and talk shows very soon. Um, you're going to see me on television with my own reality show. And um, you're going to see me uh, become exonerated uh, of these uh, legal matters, uh, both with uh, civilly and criminally. I'm hopeful that will happen uh, sometime uh, by January the latest. That's what I'm hoping. It could take to March, but... I'm actually hoping it happens before. And, uh, you know, hopefully I will become a great American and a great personal story. Because remember, I'm doing this all as a sober man. I don't drink. I don't take drugs. And I help people every day. Uh, doing service is one of the most important parts of my life. It has been for 20 years. And for some reason, nobody wants to talk about it. No one wants to write about it. But now that I've come out and I've openly and candidly uh, discussed it, um, people coming out of the woodworks because I help hundreds and hundreds of people. You know, on a daily basis, I help I help at least five, six guys a day. You know, on the phone or in meetings and, and whatnot. That's and that's what my life has been about. And yet, you wouldn't know that unless you know I revealed it, because it's an anonymous program. The government and the media has chosen to break my anonymity publicly, and and I will not break anybody else's anonymity. But you know. In, in the program, in the 12-step programs of recovery, it's my prerogative. I can tell you that I'm in recovery, that I go to meetings. I just can't tell you who else does. Right. Well, that's private stuff, you know. But you Very anonymous stuff. It's the, it's the it's spiritual foundation of the entire program. Well, Russ, look, you're an open book now, uh, and I know, and I'm pretty confident that you will be exonerated. I'm pretty confident everything's going to go your way. And, and again, this... You, I guess you were meant to go through these trials and tribulations for you to do what you're doing now, and I think you're going to be very successful with it. Thanks, Lou. You know, some people believe that everything is God's will, and God's will is perfect. And, uh, you know, I found God when I got sober in 1990. He keeps me sober every day. And uh, I never really talked about it much because why? You know, it's like a private thing, and sure. people, some people think you're wacky. You know? Yeah, but you <laughs> and, and uh make a long story short, uh, you know, maybe this is God's will for me, and uh, I'm supposed to go through this sort of fire so I can come out the other side and, and, and help affect some positive change in this country and in this world. Well, I think you're going to do a lot of great things, and God's will is a good thing. So, you know, keep going forward with it, make things happen. And what we want, what I want to do, too, Ross, if it's sure. okay with you, after everything passes, with uh, you being exonerated, I want to bring you back on the show, so we can talk about things that at that you know at that point we should be able to talk about a lot more things. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, so I want to get have you back on because I think that people are going to be the listeners that are listening to this show are going to be inspired by Ross Mandel, and uh, I think you're an awesome guy. And uh, good luck with everything. Thank and you. Uh, listen, you have my numbers, and you know oh, how to yeah. reach me, and, and you're you're really uh, you're 
terrific interviewer and a great guy. And anytime you want to chat, you want me on the show, you want my opinion, uh, you got me. Bruce, I appreciate it. And that's about it for this uh, segment of the UCW radio show. Uh, we had, you know, a great guy on the show, Royce Mandel. And you can find out more about him by going to RoysMandel.com. That's R-O-S-S-M-A-N-D-E-L-L.com. And uh, we'll be back with you with our next segment. And we'll have another great guest on the show. Until then, have a great week. What is your major malfunction? All that will be written. So let it be done. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.